is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Kim Hendy on our show today. Kim's broad experience in digital adoption, ICT program and policies, intellectual property literacy has been instrumental in empowering women and youth, engaging multi-stakeholders and promoting creativity and innovation of individuals and teams with disruptive art sessions that combine mindfulness, art, and science. In her previous position as Senior Officer, Partnership Development with the Canada's Ministry of Innovation, Science, and Economic Development, I said, Kim promoted intellectual property literacy to support the SMEs and innovators. She continues to contribute expertise to multi-stakeholder task forces on the Internet of Things and blockchain. Previously, Dr. Hendy led the transfer of connectivity policies and programs to the Americas and connected research on the digital economy, green technologies, e-health, skills development, internet policies, and international development. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. So before we kick off uh, our sort of fulsome conversation, what's the one thing that you want our audience to take away from our conversation today? So um, I'd say that uh, I believe that is uh, important to have a daily mindfulness practice and also to engage in activities to nurture and balance the both sides of the brains and promote creativity. See, entrepreneurs have visions, are passionate about something. We research, we learn, we explore, identify opportunities, we're analyzing challenges and connecting with our networks. And we can easily feel overwhelmed, um, get sidetracked, become doubtful, Uh, our energies gets depleted, we get caught in overthinking. So this is when the left side of our brain takes over and becomes in balance. And so our great vision ideas sometimes will kind of melt away or we become sort of like frozen. So a daily practice in mindfulness, breathing, uh, whether it be yoga, um, meditation, or, or, or any other way, helps you focus and balance. Um, and also, uh, uh, better if you have a regular exercise practice, but we kind of forget to also take care of our brain. One of a great quote that I like is of Thomas Edison that says, vision without implementation is hallucination. Mm, I love that. So we have to make sure that we get 
all our passion to fruition and to action. Mm, I love that. And so digging into the mindfulness um, component for a second. So I think there's there's massive movement around the idea of mindfulness and integrating it into your life, into your sort of holistic health plan. Um, what does a mindfulness practice actually look like to you? What are the different ways that people can be more mindful? Well, it can be like a little nugget or a big nugget. And the website is full of uh, opportunities. But I would say, even if you just take... Um, I'd say five or 10 minutes to take 10 deep breaths in the morning, like take that five minutes and say, I don't have to think about the groceries, my next meeting, the PowerPoint, it's just like 10 minutes, if you want five, and just just peacefully and say, this is about me just this time. And you just take a deep inhale, and exhale, even if it's just 10 times. That's okay, it's already some mindfulness, you already refocused, it's sort of like you rebooted your system. And of course, if you can, then you do a little bit of yoga in the quiet of your home. But I think that to have that practice daily is essential to reboot and refocus especially as entrepreneurs. Yeah, and that exercise of stillness that I think in an entrepreneurial context where go, 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 there's so much activity going on that it's sometimes easy to forget that taking a moment to not do anything has so much value and to uh, really reset um, will have long-term benefits uh, in in the future for sure. Absolutely, and you've just mentioned something that's very interesting. Mm. That is that moment of not thinking. Mm. It's almost impossible for a human being not to think. So if you think Mm. of your breath and you just like visualize your breath is coming, let's say from earth and sky through your spine to your heart, and then it exhales from your spine from your spine to your through the sky and and the and the earth mm-hmm. and it sort of like it focuses in your heart in fact you're thinking about something but about nothing mm-hmm. really that's so difficult yeah yeah and that but i like that visualization exercise that you can kind of integrate that um, and fill the space with with that visualization fantastic so tell us a little bit more about disruptive art coaching and where um it all began for you that's um, something i love to to tell the story. Well, so when I was doing my doctoral research, I was analyzing um, what were the elements that made the transfer of technology programs. I was doing it, what I did during with the government of Canada at the time, but um, we were transferring um, connectivity programs, the Connecting Canadians Agenda between our Canada and, and Argentina and the Americas. And I noted I was involved, heavily involved. I kind of like led the whole process. And um, why were some a program successful and some weren't mm. like why were we sort of like reinventing the wheel government after government would ask us for the same information and just some were successful and I noticed that um, I studied that and I noticed it was that when there are certain conditions that were present in the groups in the leaders and the people that were inter- implementing that were basically giving in this case it was for youth at risk giving the youth the opportunity to be creative and not be uh, bound by any particular uh, line, but be contained in an environment. So they were encouraged to be creative, supported in their creativity, but also kind of given tools so that they could experiment. Mm. And... I was amazed when I did then my field trip for my doctoral research, like how some of these students that were um, uh, youth at risk, as I mentioned, 
had developed their own businesses. They were providing training uh, to teachers. Well, they even had infinitive education. They had created uh, services. And so anyway, so I tried to uh, find ways that I, we could replicate that nugget of, of knowledge, those conditions sort of like in a boardroom. And I experimented with multi-stakeholder engagement. It didn't quite work. It kind of did, but it didn't. I experimented with digital, um, with um, design thinking, mm -hmm. but it was too much on the left side of the brain. And so um, when I was engaged as a sector matter expert by I said by the government of Canada to support um, expertise in the development of a new school, the Blue Sky School, that's mm -hmm. an experimental school. Um, and the lead educator, Shauna Pollock, uh, said, Kim, um, I'd love you to come and coach on whatever of your expertise to the, to the learners. And we chatted, and I said, well, you know, I owned a gallery. I, I do digital adoption. You know, I, I'm an artist. Yeah. You know, I, 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 my, my teacher, Berdania, we did, you know, sort of like disruptive things. What about yeah. disruptive, uh, disruptive art? She loved it. And it was an opportunity for me to kind of explore. And I was amazed. It was just like it flowed. Mm. And having this opportunity and this nugget of bringing like, because you can do it in a boardroom at a school, so this was it. I found the way of replicating, in a nutshell, this opportunity for the participants to explore um, a change, mm -hmm. uh, incorporate disruption, that in the normal life would be kind of a failure, but incorporate a disruption, but experience frustration, experience joy, and always within an art process. So hmm. it's always a piece of art. And I, and I was amazed to see the impact it had uh, first on the uh, learners. And then when we experimented with adults, it was almost the same. You know, you give a kid a paint and a canvas, and then you take him through a process that is playful, and it will have an impact. And if you do it with adults, it will have the same impact. Incredible. Wow. That, that's Thank you for painting that beautiful picture of, of that process and the inception of it. Um, so what have been some of the outcomes from an art perspective that came out from these, these um, exercises? Thanks for asking that question. When I was doing it with Blue Sky School, um, we had a series. I was um, I, I negotiated with the government because I was still in the as a public servant, um, and I would coach every Friday. And so we had a series, mm. and the uh, I was um, the the students developed a stronger self esteem. Um, they were not fearful in in taking chances. Um, they were developed empathy. Uh, they were struggling. Some did not like uh, that because I, the, the, the uh, as I can mention later, but what I do in disruptive art is I incorporate um, uh, creative interventions. Mm -hmm. So um, giving, having to give mm -hmm. the other person the canvas, painting with a toothbrush, wow. whatever. Okay. So some of the students did not like it, were very uh, uh, resistant. Or change averse. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it evolved into these uh, human beings being so strong, creative, um, sure of themselves, um, understanding. Mm. Um, and we, we did in the first, actually first ever, um, uh, showcase of, of the Blue Sky School. I curated it. I own a gallery in Florida, so I mean, we curated and 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 it was um, 
uh, th we curated all their pieces, they had titles, and there was one particular student that told me at the beginning, I'm not an artist, the things that I do are not good, I don't, I'm not good for anything or whatever, and he chose uh, disruptive art as his showcase, and his pieces were so moving that I had the chance that when his mother came in to see the showcase, she had tears in her eyes. She could not believe her child had created and, and, and put titles and, and looked at it in a professional way. It was mm. like, it, it still is um, amazing and flowing each time. Even kids that have challenges, mm -hmm. um, birdering autistics or whatever. Um, and, 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 and it even, I mean, that was my experience in the school, but even in adults, you mm -hmm. know, some, uh, you can see some people, you know, when I do the interventions are looking, they're, they're bothered that somebody else is interfering. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking architects. I know, it's or, giving me, I'm clenching even just thinking about it. <laughs> right. And I'm yeah. talking architects. I'm yeah. talking um, senior professionals, doctors. Mm. I'm talking um, professors of, of art at university. So they're looking at somebody else intervening their work and they're like, oh, you're damaging my painting. Mm -hmm. I don't, and the other one is saying, oh, thank you. You've made it so pretty. Yeah. Other people are, I don't care. But um, um, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the children, like in the younger kids, it's, it's helping them deal with the, this is not only about me mm. and, it, and I can let go. And, and there's many others. I always tell the, the, the learners how many canvases are in the world. There's innumerable. How many mm. colors? Innumerable. So you, if you don't want this, you can do it again. And this is sort of like also a great life something lesson. for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. If you try it and you don't like it, you can do something else. But it's important to do it. And in the adults, it's empathy. Sort of like, you help me, I can help you. Um, okay, I don't want to damage it too much because it's yours, you know. And, uh, you know, sometimes I just have people take, I don't know, a knife and scratch the canvas. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> <laughs> those are for the artists that are so picky and, like, want to take them out of their head. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's a great life lesson that, you know, things are going to be thrown your way that you don't think that you can prepare for or, you know, that you're not going to see coming. So being able to prepare for that chaos or that interruption or that creative disruption, um, that's an incredible lesson to learn in a safe environment that then builds that resilience Absolutely. Um, kind of over time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So pulling on that thread, uh, why is creativity so important to entrepreneurs? So um, uh, the science behind creativity and art relates to neuroplasticity and the fact that our in our society today we're focusing more than 11 hours a day on the left side of the brain that's the logical the linear mm -hmm. mathematical and the right side the holistic creative becomes in balance so um albert einstein mentioned creativity is intelligence having fun and that's the second favorite mm -hmm. quote so uh Creative people are predominantly uh, more balanced in the left and the right side of the brain. It's not like the wiring um, in either side. It's the crossing of the left and the right. Mm -hmm. So um, the right side um, is sort of like more dormant in our society today. So it's important that uh, as entrepreneurs, uh, we make sure that this creativity flows. So in fact, all entrepreneurs are creators. All entrepreneurs are artists. Because as creators and artists, we're using our creativity, but because we need to implement, we're using also the left side of the brain. 
but not all artists are entrepreneurs. But all entrepreneurs are artists. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Rectangle squares. <laughs> squares, rectangles. And and so what what types of exercises can help entrepreneurs get their creativity flowing and really encouraging that type of creative thought process and that link between the two sides of their brains? Well, um, in in general, uh, of course, this is what disruptive art kind of does, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is. Um, it, it, the process that I was explaining with the kids and the adults and, and actually with family gatherings as well, healing circles, it promotes uh, the rewiring and the connections between both sides of the brains. And, you know, it promotes collaboration, creativity, well-being, empowerment as well. So um, as I said, uh, the ways that entrepreneurs can uh, get their creativity flowing it would be sort of introducing mindful breathing uh, visualization, um, some uh, dynamics, hands-on creative processes um, that um, will provide them with a relaxing environment. That mm. is, if you're going to be painting on your own, don't look at the outcome. Do something like a Pollock. Um, mm. Close your eyes. Um, put your hands on the paint. Get messy. And um, so... Apart, so I would say like the mindfulness practice, I already was talking about the breathing and the art process, as I was saying, taking out the rational um, um, thinking, and then perhaps incorporating some activity that you're not used to. For example, Mm. brushing with your non-dominant hand Mm -hmm. or brushing your hair, if you brush your hair with your (laughs) non-dominant hand. And um, I, I find that uh, it, it, it is a bit difficult, especially for artists, because we come focused on our perfectionist aspect. So to get to a place where you can get out of your head and, and allow it to flow um, uh, is very important. Mm-hmm. And why do you think that creativity has become undervalued um, in, in sort of a data-driven, um, different world environment that we're living in right now? There's so many incredible benefits to promoting creativity and this blend across both sides of the brain. Why is it that we're not valuing it as much as we should? Well, you see, um, indeed our society is data-driven, it's driven by facts, logics, mathematics, and still our society, our governments, our corporations, and our schools even, mainly will value um, participants, people, by numerical outcomes. So uh, valuing or analyzing um, uh, the creative aspects that are abstract mainly um, is much more difficult. And um, you know, uh, the, 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 while technology uh, is, um, has a tremendous benefit and impact in our society, also the overuse um, of technology and our increased interaction um, is actually uh, impacting and hindering our human connections, uh, our creativity. So also why it's undervalued um, is that um, to develop the skills to think di- differently um, to decrease that functional fixedness and allow boosting creativity, especially in the workplace, isn't easy. It requires promoting opportunities to being open to interruptions of challenging ways, uh, challenging habits, letting go of habitual responses, relaxing behaviors. And I'm talking for managers as well as for employees. So it's um, these are not really seen as preferable in organizations. But I have to say that Organizations are now being challenged to promote creativity, agility, 
um, and, 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 uh, and innovative thinking because the world today is throwing at us problems and threats that are new. And it's just not working uh, to try to fix them with the same old ways. So. And so if you think of, of how entrepreneurs can bring creativity into their organizations, what would be an example to provide an interruption or, a ch- or challenge habits that are existing that um, would not cause a severe consequence in that moment within the organization? Because I think the spirit of it might be easy to um, support. But then when push comes to shove in, in your day-to-day, if, if someone's suggesting, hey, I'm going to interrupt <laughs> and, and do something kind of radical, there might not be as much buy-in. So what does that practically look like in an organization? Well, I have to say that that's why disruptive art was successfully um, um, incorporated and came about. And it was so uh, interesting because, as you said, it's very difficult. Already organizations and government, uh, the teams are not working together or there's challenges in well-being, there's mental stress. People don't want to share information. So there's this dynamics that are logical in the organizations and the companies. So bringing in something external where the disruption happens in an art process. So who cares if you didn't like the red or I threw the blue and I got angry with you. It's sort of um, objective. Mm. So this wiring of these skills will happen whether it's with a color or a vision or 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 a brush and so the wiring will happen and automatically there's a relaxation and you feel happier and so now you shared something and then this transfers to other areas of your life so the the beauty of incorporating this type of art of course i mean i'm sure organizations can do other types of uh, activities, but this is sort of an activity that can be done in a, an hour in a boardroom, and uh, that's why uh, it is so unique. Um, and and you know now I've been asked to write it as a psychotherapy technique because it's very novel in the sense that we don't analyze uh, if you put three uh, windows in a house or or it. This is abstract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not the point. And mm-hmm. and once you got to a place that you like. We can take a picture, and then the next step is to take your hands and redo, uh, undo it, give the painting to another person, close your eyes, and you know, pour paint on it that you don't know what you're doing. So, in fact, it's sort of like something that's coming at you, that your hands on involved. It's fun. But it's kind of not you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're almost a little bit disconnected from it, but it still is and, is baked and in. The beauty is that everything that I've told you of the colors you never got your logical mind to think about mm. it. And I was just telling you about it. So when you're in the process, the, in, in, in disruptive art, for example, the, 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 you're interested in the process, not the outcome. Mm. And that's never in your life is that. Never do you have a chance to have that little hour of space and fun. It's always about the outcome. Yeah. Yeah, about the process, not the outcome. I love that. That this is—it's making me want to <laughs> collect some paint at the moment and and go to town. Um, incredible. So, um, what's next for disruptive art coaching? What are you seeing as sort of the next evolution of this type of initiative? You talked about it from a psychotherapy potential perspective. What does that look like? Well, um, I'm this year. I'm going to be focusing on writing a book. I've also um, because this is hands-on and 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 it involves. Um, I want to say a trained um, coach that has experience in art, mindfulness, um, leadership, um, and uh, so so 
Um, I've been um, developing the teacher training, and actually I'm thrilled that uh, in Argentina uh, we're going to be launching um, with uh, a lead trainer in disruptive art in, in Buenos Aires. We've already done a couple of, of sessions there. And so there's the book. There's participating in the Disruptive Arts Summit, um, Expressive Summit in the States and in Canada. Um, and um, also uh, we're uh, scheduling um, some uh, scheduling sessions in the government and some organizations. Mm, fantastic. Well, that's that's exciting. <laughs> Good track ahead. Incredible. Uh, and so where can entrepreneurs learn more about disruptive, disruptive arts uh, and get involved? Well, um, the website is uh, www.disruptiveart.ca.ca because the .com is somebody else. And, um, and also at my um, Instagram is at art disruptive. So it's the other way around. It's art disruptive. So I'll be posting the sessions there. I generally uh, try, I believe in giving back to the community. So my work in the school is pro bono. And I also try to schedule uh, maybe three or four classes in the spring and maybe in the fall. That's all I'll do in the community um, um, every year. So I, I think I have classes scheduled in April. So I'll be posting those on the website. So for the organizations that want to also know more about it or are interested in the uh, more information around the science behind it or are interested in bringing disruptive art to the organization, if they want to write me an email at kim at disruptiveart.ca, um, I will send them the information or that. And if you are interested, you're a single startup or a person that just wants to get their hands on and just get a taste of it, just uh, check the Instagram that I will be posting the dates. Fantastic. I love that. And so with, with organizations, if they think of um, in advance of maybe getting involved in an actual workshop, um, is there one mini exercise or something that they could do within their organization today um, that they could test this sort of mindset and this, this experimentation? Well, um, I'd say that, for example, um, disruptive art can be as small as sort of like an icebreaker one-hour session. So um, they could try a one-hour session sort of like as a team-building exercise. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be a series. Uh, but we did actually with um, uh, uh, an experience with um, actually Startup Canada Leaders um, Summit, and they and it was like very um, fun and successful and it was it was almost like 45 minutes we br we came in we did a quick icebreaker um, it was really dynamic and um and, and that was sort of like a teaser a tester to see if you're interested in in further experimenting but i really think that um that in our world today uh, having an opportunity to to actually have a hands-on tool that can allow an almost instant well-being and collaboration and communication is is so fabulous. That's why I'm also writing the book. Fantastic. I love that and, and would love to see you get engaged with more Startup Canada programming. <laughs> I think that would be a wonderful uh, disruptive opportunity. <laughs> yes, I'd be pleased. <laughs> wonderful. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us uh, on, on the Thrive Podcast today, Kim. This was such a pleasure. It was really a pleasure for me too. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. 
Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Matthew Curtis and plug in to the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.